Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to episode one of series seven of Compliance Clarified. I'm Lindsay Rogerson, a senior editor in the EMA team of Regulatory Intelligence. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Michael Cowan, regulatory intelligence expert in London. And we're here to discuss the 10 things that we believe compliance officers in the EU and UK need to be considering in 2023. In 2022, the financial services sector was influenced by many different factors. On a global level, geopolitical, climate and economic risks dominated government's agendas. Financial services firms were having to find new and innovative ways to address these challenges and the regulatory landscape flexed with more regulations in diversified areas to address the emerging risks. For compliance officers, the increase in regulatory activity meant an increased workload to be dealt with, at times by stagnant or reduced budgets. And 2023, shows no sign of let up, with some significant regulatory initiatives being developed to implementation. So, welcome Mike. Shall we start with climate and developments under the Environmental, Social and Governance banner? Yeah, hi Lindsay. Yeah, the the European Union was the first government to put in place a comprehensive set of ESG data requirements for financial firms. ESG data requirements for corporates were signed off last year and disclosure will remain a key priority for firms and compliance officers in 2023. The EU have adopted quite a a suite of regulations to address climate-related disclosures, such as Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, the infamous SFDR, and the Corporate Sustainable Reporting Directive, the CSRD, and the Taxonomy Regulation. Although the reporting requirements for SFDR came into effect on the 1st of January 2022, the first year's disclosure were to be made on a best efforts basis for European-based firms. That in itself raises the stakes on firms reporting correctly in 2023 and beyond. For example, the European Securities and Markets Authority has said it will put a priority on ESG statements in its annual check on financial and non-financial statements. Greenwashing remains an issue. Again, ESMA has advised the 27 member state regulators to challenge inadequate or unsubstantiated green claims when reviewing their 2022 corporate disclosures. And it's highly likely that the three European supervisory authorities will expand their focus on greenwashing still in 2023. In the UK, the UK government is placing a significant emphasis on ESG. Its version of the SFDR will also be finalised in 2023. And the UK government is committed to boosting green mortgages, for example, as part of its Edinburgh reforms package announced in December, which we'll discuss more of in a moment. Thanks, Mike. That's tremendously informative. I just wanted to um, throw in there that last week uh, we started to see the first responses to the ESA's greenwashing consultation that you or call for evidence that you you flagged. And they make quite interesting reading, I have to say. There's um I'm not being overly flippant if I if I sum up by saying they say, before you ask for any more rules, try using the ones you've got um first. And so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the course of the year. You mentioned the Edinburgh reforms. 
Mike. Obviously, the uh, UK government's big fanfare for their initiatives in, in, in December. So what is, what is the takeaway there for um, firms this year? So the UK government, through the Edinburgh reforms, as we've, as we've mentioned, has set out a quite an ambitious set of measures to move the UK away from the EU rules. Many of the reforms, such as reviews of PRIPs and short selling regulations and changes to consumer credit regulations and a review of the senior management and conduct rules, will be consulted on, and many of those that have been released to date have targets during Q1 2023. So quite soon deadlines for compliance officers to get their head around these sort of changes. And these changes dovetail with the review of the Financial Services and Markets Act and the continued implementation of the UK government's future regulatory framework, all of which compliance officers need to monitor closely. And extending this regulatory reform point to the EU, the European supervisory agencies have developed a full programme of regulatory actions in the EU, including a continued focus on the stability on financial stability and the implementation of Bar 3 reforms, continuing work to review the PRIPS regulations, of further guidance on the implementation of cross-sectoral areas of the securitization regulations, as well as other areas that touch on ESG, operational resilience and Brexit. Thanks, Mike. That is a tremendous amount for compliance officers to uh, keep watch over this year and um, try and stay sane while doing that. <laughs> yes. Of course... All of these reforms that are coming in, being discussed, considered, we, we, we can't take them out of the, the current situation that we are in, the economic situation we are in, the um, so-called cost of living crisis. And I know um, you, you touch on cost of living alongside um, conduct in, in the context of consumers and what firms need to be doing around consumers. So perhaps you can uh, delve into that one for us. Yeah, you're right. Um, so in, in the 10 things we deal, we have two points on, on, on consumer related issues, I suppose. One of which, as you say, is the cost of living crisis. Um, I mean, the UK's uh, Financial Conduct Authority reported that 7.8 million people are finding it a heavy burden to keep up with their bills, which is an increase of around 2.5 million since 2020. And in the EU, the European supervisory authorities have highlighted the deteriorating economic outlook and have advised national supervisors, financial institutions and market participants to prepare for the challenges ahead. And the regulators have reacted accordingly by issuing amended guidance on how firms should treat customers who are experiencing difficulties. For example, in the UK, these amended guidelines covered areas such as vulnerable customers, mortgages, consumer credit, insurance, and the UK has begun to address issues like buy now, pay later products and tightening their approach to financial promotions. This all seems to have been a prelude for the FCA for their introduction of their new consumer duty principle, which is to be fully implemented in, I think it's July 2023, but firms should have already developed a plan on how they intend to implement the new principle. Just as a reminder, the consumer duty is a principle that requires firms to act to deliver good customer outcomes for retail customers. So the second point, if we move away from the sort of cost of living um, angle, the second point that we've flagged in the 10 things 
is around maintaining good culture and conduct uh, disciplines within firms. This has been a, a feature of the last few years' Thomson Reuters cost of compliance reports, whereby the single biggest culture and compliance risk was the need to balance competitive and compliance pressures. In 2022, we have seen enforcement actions in the conduct space, including enforcement actions for unsuitable pensions advice, providing misleading information, transaction monitoring failures, and inadequate market abuse arrangements. And this challenge of balancing a firm's competitiveness in the current economic climate against its compliance obligations is set to get even greater as the Edinburgh reforms in the, in the UK have the potential to weaken conduct arrangements even further. Absolutely. Um, so just before we uh, delve in a little bit what we're talking about there with the Edinburgh reforms and, and compliance, I just want to jump back to the um, consumer duty because we should get the first snapshot. You, you talked about firms need to be well on their way to implementing that. Of course, there was a, the first deadline was October for boards to have signed off the implementation strategy. And um, so the FCA is imminently about, as we record this, about to publish a, an update on how that's all going. So there will be key uh, points from that to, uh, to, for firms to take note of. Hopefully, it'll be possible for them to judge where they are vis-a-vis -vis their peers in, in, in getting all this going. And I'm sure the FCA will offer a bit more guidance as to what they will be expecting to be in place by that 31st um, of July deadline. Um, the other thing I just want to quickly touch on is the whole cost of living, which you mentioned, Mike, in terms of this is really the first time, isn't it, that firms are going to need to evidence that they have in a really thorough way that they have considered other options rather than just going down a arrears repossession route for firms. They're going to have to offer switching of products, which is certainly in my working life, that's not something we've had an instruction from the regulator that that needs to be done before. So in terms of dotting I's, crossing T's, ensuring processes, there's really a lot behind what's been put out from the regulators, isn't there? No, I completely agree. They they put a, a, an absolute um, emphasis in raising the importance of the consumer duty incredibly, the first regulatory principle to introduce for a number of years. And as you say, the level of detail now required in uh, switching products and backing up customer decisions uh, around things like forbearance options is very important for compliance officers to get right. So finding that if we come to this the possibility of conduct edinburgh reforms it has been a controversial one i've sat through two different treasury select committee hearings now where lawmakers who introduced the senior managers regime have been rather concerned about talk of watering it down which has been absolutely denied by by the treasury they are merely think this is an appropriate time to review where we're at, but there's, um, I, I guess it's introducing uncertainty, isn't it, into the, the system, which is never a good thing, um, especially when it's in your main conduct regime. Yeah, no, uh, completely. I think, um, you know, there's a number of things with the Edinburgh reform, some of which we've highlighted earlier, but um, the review of the senior managers regime, for example, well, we don't know how it's going to turn out in fairness. But there are rumours that some of that might be watered down and that then suggests 
a weakening of, of the regulator's stance on conduct. It may not. We don't know how it's going to pan out. But there are one or two elements of the uh, Edinburgh reforms which could then open the door for firms to not focus as much on the conduct and culture elements of regulation as possibly they should do. No, thank you. So if we um, move on to technology, I, I know this is always in the 10 things. I know there have been um, slowdown in investment by firms in fintech and regtech, etc. But what what do you think should be uh, on the minds of compliance officers in the technology space this year? Yeah, you're right. I mean, in another Thomson Reuters report that our fintech, regtech and role of compliance report uh, we reported in that, that 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 there were signs of a slowdown in the fintech sector, as you suggested, not only in the investment, but uh, but um, our our questions in that survey were more focused on the enthusiasm, I guess, that respondents had for fintech, and that was actually waning in places. Um, so we, we've we've seen a little bit of a slowdown, a little bit of a uh, of a lack of enthusiasm with fintech over 2022. But the range of applications continues to grow. I mean, the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning is becoming even more popular. And then we have the looming risk of big tech and the risks that that would bring to financial services. And the technology pot, if you like, has a, a number of different ingredients in this, which will continue uh, to um, occupy compliance officers' minds. But possibly the new issue for 2023 will be the increased focus that regulators are putting on uh, third parties and operational resilience. I mean, as firms do more do more business with, with, with fintech firms, or should we say rely on fintech firms more to cover some of their regulatory requirements, perhaps, then the risk to, to a degree is then transferred more from the firm to the third party. And obviously, regulators are concerned about this risk. In 2022, a discussion paper was issued by the Prudential Regulatory Authority, the FCA and the Bank of England on how to deal with third parties which are critical to the UK financial services sector. The deadline for responses was in December in 2022 and we are still awaiting the outputs uh, to be released or, or, of that consultation. In the EU, the risks that third parties pose to firms is also a live issue and one that is addressed in the Digital Operational Resilience Act or DORA as it's become, uh, become known which has recently been adopted by the European Parliament and with implementation expected to be uh, sometime in 2024. On the wider operational resilience front, in the UK, the Bank of England, the PRA and the FCA's operational resilience policies came into force in March 2022 uh, and the regulators expect firms to be working towards building operational resilience by uh, March 2025. So again, another key priority through 2023 for compliance officers to continue that development. And finally, on technology, we can't leave uh, technology without uh, discussing cryptos and crypto assets, where 2023 promises to be another turbulent year. I mean, in 2022, the failures of firms such as FTX, Celsius Network, Terra Luna have all prompted mixed reactions from regulators. In the EU, policymakers have agreed the text of the Markets in Crypto Assets Regulation. Uh, the regulation now needs to pass legal revision prior to adoption by the European Parliament and the Council, and that will probably happen in late February. Most of the regulation is expected to be applied in, in late 2024. In the UK, the Economic Secretary to the Treasury 
told MPs that crypto regulation is unlikely to be complete this year, but the Treasury will consult on an approach to regulating a wider set of, of crypto activities. And then finally, finally on this point, the EU and the UK have also published legislation to implement FATFA's travel rule for virtual asset firms and virtual asset service providers. Implementation is set for 2023 in the UK and 2023 stroke 2024 for the EU. This rule requires financial institutions to send and record information on the originator and beneficiary of a wire transfer and that that information remains with the transfer or the related message throughout the payment chain. So again, it harps back to the, the, the amount of detail that regulators are wanting when, when dealing with these type of customer-focused facilities. Oh, fascinating, Mike, and thank you for that. I just have one to throw into the mix. It was um, something I noticed when I was uh, writing about artificial intelligence um, recently, and this is to do with the EU's artificial intelligence regulation. In the council-agreed text, so I won't bore everyone with my usual civics lesson on the tripart arrangements, but the council's agreed text for that regulation just before Christmas, they slotted in something which could prove tremendously significant for financial firms and financial regulators and their use of surveillance of their staff. So effectively, what they put in was if you are going to use the so-called emotional motion tech, um, which can be used to detect lies or you know and look for possible market abuse in, in rec- recordings of your, your trading staff, you have to let them know that you are using that tech um, and there's going to be tighter rules around that. So that's just another one that compliance needs to be aware of for, for, for it coming down the line. So moving on, I think we've got to seven yeah. and we promised 10 yeah. to our listeners. So um, of the three remaining, uh, Mike, what would you like to highlight? So uh, the three remaining from the list are financial crime, data governance and skills. So financial crime, um, it's a perennial risk to compliance officers, but with the continued conflict in the Ukraine, placing greater focus on sanctions, with regulators continuing to push for improvement in firms' governance of anti-money laundering arrangements, and the increases in cyber attacks and individual scams, on the top of the new developments that we've highlighted around cryptos, etc., then financial crime will remain a high priority for compliance officers. There's, there's no doubt about that. Data governance is an area where governments, regulators and firms are placing a lot of emphasis. Specifically for compliance officers, regulators are looking to develop the way they do business to use data and technology more. And this places the onus on firms to have appropriate systems and controls in place to ensure that data is accurate, comprehensive, and fit for purpose. And then finally, skills. And just a, a brief word on skills, um, because it has been a focus of the report, the Thomson Reuters reports that I've previously mentioned. But as compliance officers' responsibilities are pulled into an increasingly diverse range of subject areas, the demand for expertise in these areas increases. However, at times, the availability of this expertise is scarce and expensive, let's be honest. And the current economic climate, where undoubtedly compliance officers' budgets will be squeezed even further, is going to place greater problems, greater issues for them in recruiting and paying for the necessary skills that their responsibilities require. Thank you, Mike. Um, Sorry to end on 
a somewhat depressing note there about budget squeezes, but that is the reality of where everybody is in 2023. All told, 2023 appears to be shaping up into another challenging year for compliance officers. Thank you, Mike, for your thoughts. And until next time, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thanks, Lindsay. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.